Well, join me in the book of Exodus, chapter number 19, and verse number 5. Exodus, chapter number 19, and verse number 5. I'm preaching off of uh, typed notes uh, today. I, uh, some of you may know uh, somebody wanted my uh, iPad more than I did, and uh, they busted into my van and took my laptop, my iPad, and uh, uh, thank God uh, my iPad was restored, uh, but uh, uh, not my old one. Actually, a very dear pastor friend of mine uh, surprised me and uh, bought me a new iPad. And, um, you know, it, it, it seems, you know, we, we get up and we pray the, 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 the giver's prayer and all of this and that, and then we get broken into it and we're like, okay, God, I'm still here. You didn't forgot about me. And then, then you're blessed by someone else in the family of God who says, you know what, I can't allow uh, this to, to pass. And um, my case for that new iPad arrives tomorrow. That's the only reason why I'm not using it tonight, because I didn't want to take that precious blessing. And then it slipped through my fingers and uh, a cracked screen. And so being good stewards, that's what we're trying to be. Amen. So Exodus chapter number 19, verse 5. This is our Focus 52. But I'm going to focus mostly on the latter part of this portion tonight. Exodus 15 or 19 and 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. This is what I want to talk to us about. For all the earth is mine. All the earth is mine. Amen. I want to uh, talk to us for a little while tonight. And when I sent my uh, references to Sister TJ, uh, it was a long list of references. And I told her that when I have a longer list of references, generally the sermon is shorter. <laughs> Amazingly. I'm going to try to keep with that tradition tonight. But I do have something to share with us before we leave this place. That is this thought. It's not a strange land to God. It's not a strange land to God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. And Lord, for your strength and for your power that we already feel in this house. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch us one more time. Let your word do a mighty work in our hearts Lord, let the seed of your word that's planted in our hearts bring forth much fruit in our lives tonight. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor, tell them they look good. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. One more time, can we just give God a hand clap of praise? He's always worthy, isn't he? Amen. There comes a time in the existence of every called out nation, as well as individual, that God brings us to a point of reckoning in our life. And we must, in that point of reckoning, resolve two things that are incredibly important for every person in this room. And that is this. He is 
Lord. The second part of that is you are not. Oh boy, we just got deep, didn't we? He is Lord and you and I are not. It is his voice that commands and it is my heart that must respond, speak Lord for thy servant heareth. It is his covenant that is an everlasting covenant and it is his calling that is without repentance. When one has resolved these things within their heart and within their soul, we cannot help but declare that in this world, I own nothing, but God owns it all. For all the earth is mine, saith the Lord. This is the reason that John records in chapter 1 and verse 3, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The psalmist wrote in the 100th Psalm, verse number 3, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us, and not we ourselves. I am here to declare to FPC tonight that he is the creator of the heavens, But he doesn't stop there. He is also the creator of this earth that we call our temporary home. For all the earth is mine. How do we know? Because he's the one that created all of it. Everyone take your finger like this, like you're saying, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. The hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, point to yourself. Mm. You know, the person you're pointing to is a pile of dirt. Turn to your neighbor and say, no, no, don't don't turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be friction and all kinds of stuff happening. You and I are made from the dust of the earth. And when the Bible says, all the earth is mine. It does not matter who is in charge of our government. My Lord is my sovereign. I belong to him. Now, it's also important for us to understand this point. That when God called Avram Avinu, when he called Father Abraham, Genesis 15 and verse number 18 declares to us, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Avram, saying, Listen carefully to the words. Unto thy seed have I given this land. Here's a geography lesson from the river of Egypt. That is the Nile unto the great river, the river Euphrates. That is to say that God had originally promised Abraham land that would have covered the modern day countries. Listen to this. Now, I know that Israel is small. 
It's big in the eyes of God, but the land of promise actually stretched from the Euphrates all the way to the Nile. In present day geography, that would cover the countries of Iraq, Kuwait, Jordan, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Lebanon. Think of how different the world would be today. If Israel was from the Euphrates to the Nile. Think of a world where there would be no Mecca for Islam. Think of a world where there would be no Saddam Hussein in Baghdad. Think of a world where there would be no Bashar al-Assad in Syria. Think of a world where there would be no Hezbollah or Hamas. Think of that for just a moment. How different this world would be if God's people would have understood the enormity of their From the Euphrates to the Nile River, it was the original promised land to Father Abraham. But today, Israel, the modern day nation of Israel, is only the size of the state of New Jersey. The issue is that humanity has a natural inclination, it seems, to settle for what we think is enough. And in turn, we miss the fullness of God's blessings and His benefits. Why settle for crumbs that fall from the Master's table whenever God is saying, come and dine, come and dine. But when you fast forward in the Scripture to Deuteronomy chapter number 3 and verse 27... The Lord spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, to Moses, and said to him, Get thee up into the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward. Now, I want you to understand what God is asking Moses. He said, I want you to go to the mountain, but here's where I want you to look. Westward, northward, southward, eastward. And guess what? All of that land is yours. But there's a problem. At this present time, Moshe Rabbeinu was east of the Jordan River. What was God trying to say to him? He was letting him know the real promised land is as far east as you can see to the Euphrates. He was trying to remind Moses... All you're worried about, Moses, is getting on the other side of the Jordan River. You've got your mind on the wrong river. The real land of promise is from the Euphrates all the way to the Nile. I wonder, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I wonder what would happen if some of God's people would say, you know what? I remember the promise that he made to me all these years ago, but, but for whatever reason, time has gone by and you've settled for New Jersey. You've settled for something smaller than what God originally promised.
promised you. And God has sent me by here tonight for just a little while to remind you that God's promises are yea and amen. Don't give up on the promises of God. If he has spoken it, he will accomplish it. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. He's got more. He's got higher heights. He's got deeper depth. It's for you. It is your promise today. God was stating again just east of the Jordan. Look west. Look north. Look south. Look east. This is the land of promise to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. (laughs) I feel a witness in the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. Moses was worried about everything west of the Jordan, but God was letting the great teacher and schoolmaster know your promise reaches even further than your vision. It's easy for God's people to say, that is not our territory, and simply leave it alone. We tend to think in our lives and think in our minds that there are certain places that are just not God's territory. I've come here tonight to remedy that for somebody in this place. We tend to think that we cannot accomplish our great commission if we feel like that we are trespassing every place that we go. But let us be reminded tonight that we have been given a great commission from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He is all-powerful. We are his subjects, and his realm is everywhere all the time because he is omnipresent. And I find that it's so interesting then, having all of this understanding that the the earth is the Lord's, to then open up to the 137th Psalm, one of my favorite psalms. I know it by heart. It is an incredibly powerful thing to every Jew and to the nation of Israel in particularly. But I want to tell you today that there is something about this portion of Scripture. Now knowing what we know about the true borders of the land of promise, it becomes very interesting. The mindset of the kingdom of Judah in Babylonian captivity. The text says in the 137th Psalm, verse number one, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, listen, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The rivers of Babylon are the Tigris and the Euphrates River. That Euphrates River should have never been a strange land. Oh my God, I'm about to shout. It should have never been 
a strange land to the sons and daughters of Abraham. It should have never felt like a strange land because this was the original land of promise. Too many times in our life, we feel like that we can't do what God has called us to do. And we can't receive the promises of God because we feel like that we're in the wrong place. Oh, but I want to preach to somebody today and tell you there is no strange land to God. He already owns it all. He already created it all. What I find interesting about this is that the enemies of the kingdom of Judah were teasing and provoking God's people. And what were they saying? They were saying, sing us a song. Oh, it's been a long time since anybody's asked me to sing a song. I told pastor, once I, once I get healthy, I want to sing in that choir. The director got behind me. It doesn't matter what any of you all think. Oh, glory. (laughs) Hey, Judah, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Well, you want to know what happened? They're Judah. Their name means praise. They were known by praise. And now their enemies were inviting them to exercise their praise in what they thought was a strange land. And their response was this. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? What I think is interesting about this is that the enemies of Judah must have heard about the songs of God's people. Why would they request? Sing us one of the songs that you're famous for. You're praisers. You're worshipers. You sing all the time about your land. You sing all the time about the God of your fathers. Why don't you sing to us now while you're in captivity along our rivers? They said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Their songs were popular. Their songs were world-renowned. That's why their enemies were requesting them to sing. But here's the amazing thing to me. Judah, it's already a part of who you are. Sing, Judah, sing. I want to say to somebody in this place tonight... I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. You've got the right to sing. You might feel like that you're in a strange land. You might feel like that the place that you're in spiritually right now is not where you need to be. That's all right, Judah. You were made to praise. You were made to sing. Go ahead and do it in Jesus' name. apostolic and one thing that we know is that the Lord's song was created it was created for a strange land 
I'll prove it to you. The Bible tells us very clearly. In the book of Acts chapter number 1 and verse 6 through 8. We know the, we know the scripture. We know the, the portion very well. The text says, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto, look at that bottom line, the uttermost part of the earth. You see, God's people again had a small vision. Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And I hopefully don't have to explain. I'm of... I'm the strongest Zionist that you know and supporter of the nation of Israel. Amen. I want you to understand that point. And God's focus, as we see, especially in the end times, there's a lot of things that are going to happen in that land, in the Holy Land. We understand that. But the apostles at this point in time were too focused upon where they were standing and not focused enough on where the message that they had was going. So the Bible tells us, you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, but not just there, Judea, not just there, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I want to encourage somebody today. Our vision has got to grow. God is calling FPC Anderson to open up your eyes. Look north. Look south. Look east. Look west. God's got a promised land for us. He's got a promised land for us. The elect of God seems like it's almost natural. Found their vision narrowed. Oh, but God is saying, this is not just something for the Middle East. When we were missionaries in India, we got accused all the time for propagating a Western religion. It's a Western religion. And I always got a lot of mileage out of this response. I said, this thing did not start in the United States. It did not start in the West. It started in the Middle East. What does that mean? It means it's accessible to everyone. It's right in the middle of the East as well as the West. How many in this place knows that God is no respecter of persons? got to get our mind open and say, okay, it doesn't matter what walk of life, regardless of family background or nationality. We have a song church family that is for every quote unquote strange land. I believe that with all of my heart. Now, here's the interesting thing. The song of Moses. And this is something that uh, is a powerful, powerful song, uh, though it's written in the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. And if you read the entirety of the chapter, it's a long song. It's got a lot of lyrics. But I want to read for us tonight the first three verses of Moses' song. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth, my doctrine. 
shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. This is what Moses' song declares to us. His song and doctrine to him was not a different thing. You want to know the problem with the denominal world? They sing the songs of Zion, but preach the message of Rome. I liked what I felt when I said it, so I'm going to step right out here and just declare it again. The problem with the denominal world is that they sing the songs of Zion. You'll hear a lot of the same songs that we sung tonight in denominal assemblies all around. They sing songs of Zion, but preach the message of Rome. But Moses' song is proof, and when you read its entirety, it is proof that our song and our message should never be disconnected. Now, this is what I like. This is what I like. The Bible declares to us in the 119th Psalm, verse 54, listen, thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Statutes have been my songs. Now, I don't oftentimes think of law. That's what this word statute is here. Of law being a song. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a secular song, B.C., before Christ. Whenever I was headbanging and all this kind of thing. Go ahead. Imagine what I looked like. It's scary. Ever sang a song about law? What I did sing a lot about was breaking the law. (laughs) Oh, yes. But here the psalmist said, Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying, My songs were not just songs about the Lord delivering me. My songs were also about living right. Walking right, doing right, speaking right. My song is much more than something just to encourage me and give me a reason to dance. He said, my songs are also very connected in the way that I walk. And I want to preach to somebody tonight and say, our songs are very important. But they're important Not just because of the beat and the melody and the tune, but it's also the message that we sing. This is the reason why I never get tired of singing the song. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead. It's all in Him. Well, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. Hey. That was my tryout. Can I join the choir? I'm I'm good to go. And what can wash away my sin in a world where people aren't preaching against sin any longer? 
In a world where people have turned blood into a caricature with all these trashy vampire books and vampire movies trying to make a caricature out of the power of the blood, I'm still going to make my message, my song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. There's no other fount that I know. Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I think it's interesting because one thing that I have learned is that God has called different people to different places for different purposes. I, when we were working in India, I had people tell me, oh, Jeremy, you got to really be called to be working in India. And I said, you got to be called to work in Indianapolis. I mean, they're breaking into cars and stealing briefcases and stuff down there. Let me stand and testify. They never stole my laptop in India. Stole my cell phone one time, though, didn't they, Mama? Oh, glory, you look so beautiful tonight. Yeah, I know, I'm cool, ain't I? No. I, if you want to talk about a strange land, try being this white, moving to a place where the people aren't white. I would send home my uh, reports and one of our board members, our missions department said, Jeremy, you look just like a carrot in a beet patch over there. <laughs> I said, but that's beautiful. But there's one thing that I learned very early on, and I, I remember Walking into my first church service, we take our shoes off. And I had a pair of sandals because everywhere you go into, you take your shoes off. And I kicked my sandals off outside the church door and um, preached. And after the service was over, I walked out and somebody had stolen my sandals. And I said, oh, God, you gave me visions and dreams of preaching in India I never saw myself walking barefoot down the road to go find some place that sold shoes. Come on, I come over here, I'm in a strange land. What am I going to do? It was difficult trying to learn the language. The Tamil language has 247 letters. Some of you are my Hebrew students. You need to thank Hashem every day for only 22 letters in Hebrew. 247 letters, and my teacher didn't like me. He liked my wife. He didn't like me too much, and I would try to write, and my writing is terrible. I'd try to write these things out, and he'd say, erase it and do it again. And then one day, he just looked at me right in the eyes. He said, you're not even interested in learning this language. She is, but you're not. I'm like, come on, man. And when you're trying to preach to people that worship 330 million gods and you're a one God apostolic, it feels very much like a strange land. 
until you realize that God created that land. And the people that are there. For all the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they who dwell therein. Every person, regardless of the color of their skin, every pile of dirt walking around is made of earth. And the earth is the Lord's. And so I will never forget the first time that I stepped up in front of some people and I had some Tamil language underneath my belt. And I said, you know what? One thing that I know is it doesn't matter where you go in the world. Everybody loves music. Well, I had learned some Tamil songs. And if I'm going to get out into the street and try to preach to these people, and I want you to know sometimes that street ministry is tough. Standing out in the streets and you don't know who wants to stab you and who wants to hug you. Yeah. Sometimes we would set up. My wife's here. She can testify. Sometimes we'd set up. There'd be five or six hundred people block the road and listen to us preach. And then other times there would be more goats in the road. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Man, that that was a response. Strange land was a strange land. And my wife's over there feeding the goats and stuff, and I'm trying to preach the everlasting gospel, and kids are running around naked. It's chaos. But then I grabbed a microphone attached to a junky little speaker and said, You know what? I know what will get their attention. Anbu kurve, yinu madigamai, aradi pain. Yenuma Vamai Anbukurve Yenuma Digamai Aradi Pain Yenumar Vamai Yen Murula Todu Aradi Pain Murubele Todu Anbukurve Aradane 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 Hallelujah Aradane 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 And you know what I began to learn is that the Lord's song is compatible to every nation and every tongue. And something begins to happen whenever we join with that heavenly choir in praise and worship. And we begin to sing about the holiness of God. Because this was one thing that Israel boasted of continually. Is that there are a lot of gods in this world. Gods that are of the manufacture of man's hand. But there's something that's different with our God. And that thing that is different with our God is that He is holy. And so, whenever we would begin to sing about the holiness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Do you know that song? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. And then we sing that lyric. Holy. 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 Are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And we would sing that song in India all the time. The reason why that I love to sing that song is because when you begin to sing about the holiness of God, you're never singing alone. Because holy, holy, holy is the angel song. Oh, hallelujah. Ha, hallelujah. We would sing it all the time. We sang it constantly. And we always felt a witness of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know today, when you go into your workplace and you feel like you're all alone being the only apostolic, start singing the angel song. I wouldn't be surprised if some ministering angels come in there with you. Sister Annette, you've been going into the prisons. People that, that their friends and even their families have already pushed off. It might seem like strange land for an apostolic woman like you, looking holy, praying in the Holy Ghost to walk into. But there's no such thing as strange land in the kingdom of God. No such thing. No such thing. Today, dear friends of mine from Israel called me on the phone, very concerned. They're friends of pastor and bishop also. And um, they called me and they said, we hope that you're not in D.C. with Luke and Danny. That's what I said. No, I'm back home in Indiana. And their idea was this world has gone crazy and the world is changing so fast. And they said, not for the better, and that is very true in many ways. Sometimes even the country of our birth can begin to feel like a strange land. Sometimes it can happen. When leaders of our nation stand in our capital venerating gods made of stone, I still am ready to testify that the earth is still the Lord's. That doesn't mean that the curry doesn't start welling up from my feet and, and the, the spicy curry. I'm, I'm telling you, getting angry. Anybody in here ever ha- felt righteous indignation before? Please don't. Please, come on, somebody raise their hand. Okay, good, I'm compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. It is interesting to me because living in India for so many years, I've preached to people who openly venerate Brahma and the Hindu trinity and 330 million gods. I've spoken to idol worshipers who have asked me the question, what's the difference between you and me? And I said, well, you made your gods with your hands, so you have to carry your gods. 
My God made me, so he will carry me. That is the difference. It's the main difference between you and I and every idol worshiper in the world. Idol worship is not new in this world. It has been a vice of man since the book of Genesis. I've come to expect such, such things from people who are living in sin. Nevertheless, everyone turn to your neighbor and say, Brother Lang just stepped up on his soapbox. <laughs> Nevertheless, no pastor's listening to me. He told me he was going to. Maybe he's going through a dead spot right now. <laughs> Nevertheless, what I cannot abide is when a denominal preacher stands up and makes a mockery out of a holy Hebrew word like amen. Oh, I'm still on that soapbox. Thank you. It's sacred to me because it is a word that represents agreement. Not only of the mouth, but also of the soul. It is sacred to me because it is never to be used lightly. It is not a pun to be used for political correctness. It is not a word to make a caricature for the gender dysphoria that is rampant in our country, in our world today. The word amen is a word for the elect of God. It is a word for the service of God. And even more than that, it is a word used to describe the very character of God. This is the reason why the book of Revelation chapter number 3 and verse 14 declares, These things saith the amen. The faithful and the true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. The word amen is connected to the Hebrew word for faith, muna in Hebrew. According to the Hebrew tradition, God is called the amen for one reason and one reason only. It's because he is faithful. And the word amen is a word that describes faithfulness. This is the reason why that the text in Revelation declares, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The people of the earth have tried to hijack a lot of things that are holy. A lot of things that are written in the word of God that are described clearly to you and I as holy. It's happening in this world that we're living in. But one thing I can still declare to each one of us tonight is that this is still not a strange land to God. They have tried to hijack God's rainbow, God's definition of marriage, God's definition of holiness, God's definition of life, and now attacking the very holy Hebrew words of the scripture itself. But as for me and my house, we're going with holiness. We're going with what's written in the word of God. As for me and my house, we're going to stand upon that rock. 
as for me and my house on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand I have a song tonight you might try to hijack the earth if you want to but I still have my song tonight God gave me a commission to encourage his people. And so I want to be faithful to that mandate. And I want to tell you, the word that you have inside of you has not lost its potency. I don't care who says what, who does what, who's elected where. The word of God has never been hindered by man. What I mean by that is God's spirit flows regardless of man. What you and I have to do is take the seed of that, of that word and plant it. Why? Because the Bible says that the doctrine is distilling upon the earth as the rain. That's confirmed to us in the book of Acts. That in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. When that ra the rain of the doctrine and the spirit combine, I promise you, there is going to be a harvest. There is going to be revival. Nothing can stop it. I want to be a part of that. So tonight, I want to say in closing, the first message of John the Baptist was the message that we find many of the great preachers of the New Testament preaching. It was not, it's not the one that we report of very often. As a missionary that was required to send reports home every month, we always reported on baptisms, Holy Ghost infillings, and healings. Anything kind of remarkable and miraculous like that. But we never see reports that say this many people repented. But it's interesting because what makes the angels rejoice in heaven? Now, you understand, I, I believe baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But where it all begins is the true power of repentance. And this is the reason why the message to this world today must start with this word, repent. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now, here's the command. He commandeth all men everywhere. That means all the earth. All men everywhere to Repent. And I promise you, if you truly repent, you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You've truly repented. God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The first message of John the Baptist was repent. The first message of our Messiah and our Lord was repent. The first message of Peter in Acts chapter number 2, when he was asked, what do we do? He responded, repent. Yes. 
The message for this world today is repent. What does the word repent mean? This is where people, people get all confused. Everybody thinks that repentance is confession. It's not. It involves confession. But this is the reason why we have so many repeat offenders with sin. We get a lot of people that become professionals on how to confess. But are never encouraged that repentance and confession are two different words in Hebrew as well as Greek. So the witness of the scripture is very clear to us. That God is calling us to do more than confess with our mouth. But he's actually calling for each and every one of us to have an inner change of mind and an outward change of direction. That's what repentance is. But even more specifically in Hebrew, the word teshuva actually means to return. Return where? The word for every person, every man, woman, boy and girl is to return to relationship with God from the cradle of humanity, the Garden of Eden. And did you know that repentance can do that for you? Because in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees, right? We all know about the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that had the fruit that we weren't supposed to eat? We ate it anyway. Well, I always love to hear people say, ah, you know, how did God expect Israel to keep 613 commandments? That's too many. God's being just mean. Folks, we couldn't keep one commandment in the Garden of Eden. The number doesn't even matter. Humanity, we're made of dirt. We're going to make mistakes. But that's the reason why we need the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. But here's what I think. It's so important, those two trees. We all know about the one that was in the midst of the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But next to it was the tree of life. If you repent, guess what? I've got good news for you. In the book of Revelation, John had saw that city coming down, the new Jerusalem. And it's so awesome to find in the end of the New Testament that there was only one tree that was there. And it was the tree of life. I don't know about you, but I want my repentance to take me to that new Jerusalem. I want to return. All of humanity, God is saying, it's time to return. I want to return to that communion and that fellowship with Almighty God. Stand with me tonight in this place. And let me say to you, if there's anyone in this room who has not been has not repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins or filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got good news for you today. Amen. He's still pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. We've got water in the baptistry. We don't even keep fish in it. We just got water in there. <laughs> now in these end times. Dear brothers and sisters, we are seeing things. That to some people is quite shocking. For the world, it's news, but not for the church. Because long before we read these things in the headlines, 
We read it here. We know the times that we're living in. There's not in every man this knowledge. This is the reason why God is calling us to let our vision widen. Panoramic view of the field in which God has called us to labor. It looks bad. Things look like they're getting worse. And it might feel like a strange land, but it's not. Not to God. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. The love of many is waxing cold. But the scripture also says that in the last days that God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That's the side that I want to be on. If there's ever been a time to sing our message, it's now. If there's ever been a time to stand for the truth, dear brothers and sisters, it's now. If there's ever been a time for us to stand for holiness, it's now. Because in these changing times that we're living in, believe it or not, this world is looking for something that is safe and secure. And that is our Lord and our Savior who changes not. There's no variableness in him, neither shadow of turning. That's the God that I worship and that I serve. So tonight, I believe that God is asking us to get ready. To make sure that our lamps are trimmed and burning. And that we've got the oil of anointing. Let's not be as the foolish virgins. Let's be as the wise ones today. The bridegroom is coming. So tonight I feel the Holy Ghost that God would have us to pray for our nation. But also pray that we would become more conscious in looking north, south, east, and west. God has more for us to do. Further places for us to reach. We can't see it if we stop walking. We've got to have our eyes open. And we've got to keep walking. If Israel would have continued walking, they would have went from the Euphrates to the Nile. But instead, their testimony was, this is a strange land. Let it not be for the apostolic church tonight in Jesus' name. So tonight I want to call us to the front. If you would come, I want to call those who are determined in their mind and in their heart. I'm going to keep my lamps trimmed and burning. I'm going to make sure that I am filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. God wants you to broaden your vision. The horizon is already there. He's calling us to Pisgah today. For us to look out the promised land that is all around us. Will you go? Will you go today? Will you go? Let the church be wise in these last days in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's it. Go ahead. Lift your voice. Lift your voice unto the Lord, church family. If there's ever been a time to pray, it's now. If there's ever been a time to reach, it's now. If there's ever been a time to repent, Oh, dear brothers and sisters, it is now. We've got to make sure that we're ready. There's no strange land to God. Let there be no strange land to His church either. 
Let us understand that God has called us to be comfortable wherever we are to preach the word, to sing the Lord's song, no matter where we are, on the job, in the school, with our family who are unbelievers. Let God do a work in our lives today. That's it, church family. Go ahead, lift your voice unto the Lord. Go ahead and let your voice out in this place tonight. The Holy Ghost is in this place. The angel of the Lord is in this house. You are not alone. You might feel that you're alone tonight, but you are not alone. The angel of the Lord is with you. The angel of the Lord is camped round about those that fear the Lord. Go ahead. Go ahead and lift your voice unto him tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let it be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we live in a nation that is changing. But oh God, you have given us a word that changes not. Lord, your word is forever established in heaven. Oh God, and we are vessels to bear your name before the unbelievers. Oh God. Lord God, help us to be faithful to that great commission. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it, church family. Go ahead. God is going to embolden somebody in this house tonight. Hallelujah. God is asking somebody to stir up that gift that's already within you. It's already inside of you. You just need to stir it up tonight. Hallelujah. That's it, church family. Our commission hasn't changed. Our message hasn't changed. The, the world might feel strange, but it's not strange to God. Come on, one more time. Let's lift our voices unto the Lord on the behalf of our nation today. Can we pray for the United States of America right now? In the name of Jesus, oh God, we come before you right now. Lord, beseeching you on the behalf of our nation. Lord, this is still a field that must be reaped, O oh God, before you're soon coming. Lord Jesus, prepare us. Prepare us, O oh God, to be used, Lord, as a sickle in your hand. O oh God, let it be done. Lord, take us, God, to our neighbors. Take us, Lord, to our friends and families. Oh, God, let us win a soul this year. Let it be done in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, you've given us a great commission today. But, Lord, you are a great God. You are a great God, oh, Lord, and you are faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it tonight, why don't you shout in Jesus' name. And let's say it right tonight. On the count of three, let's say amen. And let's let them hear it in Washington. Can we do that? Oh, glory. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm back up on my soapbox. I might have you be seated for a minute. No. On the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord.